You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. What does it take to be an entrepreneur and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business, and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the Future of Entrepreneurship, a Prop G Pod special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. So the Trump administration has spent much of 2019 trying to negotiate some kind of economic peace treaty with China. This week, it became clear that this didn't really work. Trump announced a tariff hike on Chinese imports, and it looks like we are back to the trade war. Today on Worldly, part of the Vox Media Podcast Network, we're going to unpack just how bad this is for America, for China, and for the global economy. I'm Zach Beecham here with Jen Williams, and Alex Ward is talking to us from Vienna. Hello. Hi, Alex. What's up? Early listeners in Vienna, hit up Alex, go mob his apartment. I won't tell you where it is. It's on some Strasse. It is a Strasse. I can confirm it is a Strasse. So what is the deal with the trade war? So you may remember that during the presidential campaign, Trump consistently and repeatedly said the words China, China, China. 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 And the reason he said it is he felt that China had been taking advantage of the United States for many years, specifically when it came to economic matters. And so he vowed that if he became president, he would stop China's bad trade practices. Well, he's president, and that's what he's trying to do. So his argument now, more specifically, is that the U.S. has lost a lot of jobs due to its trade with China and has lost billions of dollars. And this mostly has to do with the manufacturing sector. And so basically that imposing tariffs as part of a larger fight with uh, China and part of a trade war, some might say, uh, can level the playing field. So this is not mostly true, right? It it is the case that in the past, the U.S. may or may not have lost jobs due to increased trade competition from China and shifts in manufacturing there. The research on this is is kind of mixed, actually. It's kind of hard to say. But right now, those jobs are gone. We're not going to get manufacturing jobs back from China or from automation or from even less wealthy countries than China. And imposing tariffs is uh, not any economist recommended solution to this kind of problem. But to be clear, China is doing trade stuff that is pretty troubling. Yeah, that's true. Like stealing U.S. corporations' intellectual property. They have regulations that basically force foreign companies to manufacture goods for the Chinese market in China. They give high subsidies to domestic industries, have other onerous regulations on foreign companies that make it hard for U.S. companies to do business there. So there's a bunch of stuff that they do that really makes it easier for a Chinese company to succeed in the global market and a lot harder for a U.S. or any other foreign company, but we're talking about U.S. now, to succeed in the Chinese market. Okay, so there are these legitimate things that Jen was just outlining. Trump is also obsessed with China. He's been obsessed with foreign trade for a long time. 
Like, this is just a big thing for him. Seems all wrapped up in xenophobia. Anyway, we've got Trump obsession plus actual grievances with China equals his administration waging a trade war on the Chinese government. So this really kind of started last June, where the U.S. announced tariffs on some things like semiconductors, which is actually really important for technology sectors in general, and China in particular is trying to get really good at like high the high-level technology stuff. And China wasn't too happy about those tariffs, so they placed their own on U.S. products, many of which were agricultural products hitting farmers, which proved an important voting block for Trump. And so this effectively has started a tit-for-tat situation where the U.S. imposes tariffs on China and China imposes tariffs on the U.S. Well, so there's sort of a break in the action at the end of last year, right? Because by the end of that last round, about half of goods from China were hit by U.S. tariffs and increased rates. Like, it was a really serious escalation. In December, the two sides are like, okay, let's sit down and talk about this. And there's a pause on the tit-for-tat escalation. And so for most of 2019, there's been these negotiations between the U.S. and China where they've been trying to figure out some kind of agreement that could address Trump's concerns with China and not leave the Chinese feeling like just the lead and maybe get give them some concessions from the U.S. Right. So we had some you know, Chinese officials here in Washington just the past couple of weeks sitting down with their counterparts in you know the Trump administration to really try to hammer out an actual deal that would solve these big problems like intellectual property rights, like forcing U.S. companies and foreign companies to make products in China, things like that. So you have these talks. They basically got, it seems like, pretty close to a deal. But then for some reason, we're still not really sure why. China backed out of the deal. So the talks break down. And as a result, Trump then announces that he's ratcheting up the tariff rate on goods that he's already targeted from 10% to 25%. China, tit for tat, says, okay, fine, we're going to increase tariffs on U.S. goods accordingly. We're back to this trade war scenario again, and the Trump administration is now threatening to place tariffs on basically all the remaining Chinese products we haven't already targeted that are entering the U.S. market if no deal is reached. And so that's like, this could get real bad in terms of trade wars. But the question is, like, what does a trade war mean for an actual individual? So there's good news here that is... Like, if you're just a regular American who's not in the farming sector or, you know, not relying so much on, like, the highest level technology, you're mostly going to be okay. I mean, there are some estimates that say that, like, this latest round might lead to hundreds of dollars more for the American household in costs. And, of course, that's not great. That's, like, a tax, effectively. Uh, And it's a regressive tax, too, right? It's one that is most likely to hurt poor families who don't have disposable income that they can just throw away in more expensive consumer goods, right? Like, if food gets more expensive or phones for their kids gets more expensive, that hurts somebody making $20,000 a year, much more than someone making $150,000 a year. So this is, like, this is not... A joke. For sure. I mean, and and let's be extra clear that it's not like this won't have an effect, right? It's just it's not going to have a massive one for the household. I mean, if you want to buy luggage, mattresses, you know, some food, some cleaning products, I mean, yes, the prices are going to, are set to go up just a little bit. Uh, So you are going to end up paying more as a result of these trade wars. But like, if you're looking for a complete massive, like, jump in your bills to astronomical levels, no, that's not going to happen. But there are some people in the U.S. who are going to be feeling the hurt a lot more than others. Right. Farmers in particular, they're a big part of Trump's voting bloc. They're struggling. 
Trump is aware of this and is now basically offering this plan for millions of dollars in aid, basically a bailout to farmers so that they can kind of withstand this economic crunch that they're experiencing because of these tariffs. Still, I want to point out that it, it does take kind of a long time for trade wars to have major effects on the U.S. and even on some prices. So some prices of goods will go up. A lot of what we're talking about are the prices of like parts of goods. So like you may have some parts of, say, your iPhone or your car, right, that will, your washing machine, that will have parts that are made in China. And so that means that the manufacturers themselves, like that's how this works. The manufacturers who are getting those parts, it costs more. So they either have to go somewhere else to find parts that are cheaper or they just have to pay more. They then tend to try to pass that cost, obviously, on to the consumer. The issue is the reason why there's this kind of delay that we're seeing, um, which I actually think is really important, is that the way this works is that companies that sell products to, say, Walmart, right? Like you make washing machines, you want to sell them to Walmart. You basically work out a contract with Walmart that says, like, for the next five years, we're going to sell this product at X price. You kind of lock that in, which means that, like, at the short term, that price is locked in, so the prices aren't going to change because of this. But when they're, like, negotiating the next round of pricing, like, okay, so for the next 10 years, we're going to sell our washing machines for X price. That's when it can start to go up. So that's why, like, there's this kind of time lag. I think that's really important to understand. It doesn't mean that there won't be price increases. It's just we may not see it right away. And I think sort of the broader concern here is not just the individual cost, right, like what you have to pay on your iPhone or something like that, but the effect on the broader global economy, which could have knock-on effects for everybody in the U.S. and China and anywhere else in the world. When they're escalating economic tensions between the world's two largest economies, companies are less likely to invest, markets become riskier and more skittish. And in general, this this leads to economic contractions. People are buying less, too, which cuts demand. And so growth slows. The IMF has projected that there are likely to be significant job losses in both the U.S. and China from this effect, and that the global economy is going to grow by about 0.2% less than it would otherwise. Now, 0.2% doesn't sound like a lot, but— that's so much money given how large the entire right. global economy is. Right. That's 0.2% yeah. of the entire economy. That's billions of potential dollars lost, right? Which could mean job losses around the world. That hurts everybody, right? It hurts Americans. It hurts people in China. It hurts people in the developing world that depend on exporting their goods to American and Chinese markets. If people are spending less in general and the economy is just slowing down, then People in those countries are hurt, too. They're sort of collateral damage from what the two big players in the economy are doing. I, I don't want to skip over the fact that this is particularly bad for millions of people in China. Who China, we like to think of it as a middle economy country, but there's still a huge number of people who are in poverty, extreme poverty. And these people depend on continued economic growth to avoid serious misery. I, I think that's right. And what also kind of scares me is, you know, Trump has has this constant refrain. It's like, it'd be a good thing if the U.S. had, you know, better relations with Russia or with China, not a bad thing. And in a sense, he's right. Well, this trade war's not helping the better relations come about. Uh, what's interesting is that you've seen China's nationalist rhetoric kind of grow during this trade war. And that's significant because China is so incredibly, uh, like it cracks down so much on really any commentary that, well, first of all, it organizes the commentary coming out of the government and then controls what people can say about it. But lately it's been relaxing the amount of control over what the government itself and what people are saying about the trade wars. They're saying some pretty intense stuff. They're clearly unhappy with what's happening. And that could only serve to like worsen the US-China relationship down the line. 
In fact, there was, uh, you know, China's nightly news broadcast called Xinwen Lianbo. There was a clip that's effectively gone viral in China. The host basically says, and this is a loose translation, now the ball is in America's court. It's up to them if they want to have a discussion or to have a contest. And that is the kind of mentality that it seems to be growing in China. And so if, if the goal was to want, so obviously one goal is to improve trade relations. That seems to be Trump's goal. Trump's goal number two, in a sense, also seems to be to make U.S.-China relations better. Well, I, I, there really seems to be no evidence of that yet. I don't know. Is it Trump's goal? Like, I don't know if Trump knows what he wants out of this in any kind of concrete way, especially because, like, there's no defined objective that has come out of the administration. There's no deal that they're looking for in literal terms, equivalent to the Iran nuclear agreement, right, in sort of some kind of internationally binding, monitored way. There's certainly not a Senate confirmable treaty that's in the works here. Well, they had a deal that they were working out. I mean, they were hammering that out with, like, the trade representatives and, and the U.S. and Chinese officials here in Washington. And they they thought they were pretty close. Now we're back to this, like, oh, it looks like we're just going to keep doing tariffs. So Trump is basically causing harm to the world economy on purpose, and he's doing it to solve, like, a real problem. He's just not doing it in what a lot of experts think is the most prudent way. Maybe I, like— even if that agreement, the one you were talking about, had come to fruition, right, there were—this was not like an international or, or formal agreement in any way. China could have cheated if it wanted to, and China's quite good at cheating on these sorts of things. But maybe more fundamentally, I don't know tangibly how the outcome of all of this is supposed to improve the world for American consumers, right? Even if Trump got China to stop doing the things that he doesn't like that it's doing, how would the world— be better, right? He's not getting those manufacturing jobs back that he keeps talking about. Companies getting their intellectual property stolen is bad in, in a sort of abstract sense, and it's bad for those companies, certainly. But they've, he hasn't made a case that this is something that's worth hurting actual Americans over in terms of even if he gets China to change its regulations about businesses operating there. It just it doesn't, it doesn't make any sense to me, and we're risking serious economic harm for no comprehensible reason. There was a, a farmer on CNN just the other day talking about like, yeah, you know, I'm kind of running out of patience. And why the, the farming community has to take one in the shorts just so that the president can have a talking point and be tough on China um, just, just is a little bit beyond me. Like this has to have a solution and it doesn't look like there's one anywhere in sight right now. And that's what's really scary. So we're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk about a really disturbing social media story out of Malaysia. Uh, just a heads up, we'll be talking about suicide in some detail. So if that's a topic that you don't want to hear about, uh, totally okay for you to push pause. And we'll, we'll see you next week. What does it take to be an entrepreneur? And how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business, and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the Future of Entrepreneurship, a Prop G Pod special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. 
Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a PropGPod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the PropGPod wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back. Uh, for elsewhere this week, we're going to talk about a profoundly sad story, a, a teenager's death in Malaysia. Jen, um, what's going on here? So a 16-year-old girl in Malaysia posted a poll on her Instagram, and it said, quote, really important, help me choose D slash L. D standing for die, L standing for live. So basically, she put up a poll on her Instagram to her followers asking them whether or not she should kill herself. And roughly 69% of her followers said die. And according to Malaysian officials, she then died by suicide. And it has since raised some really important and very serious questions about who's responsible for making sure that something like this doesn't happen again. So this uh, this horrible story kind of brings up three groups to mind as to if we're looking for where a failure happened here, right? So first, let's go to the followers. I mean, as you mentioned, Jen, the, the, the poll was out there, and they did vote for her to die, which is just a horrid outcome that I can't really express into, into words. Uh, yeah, so, I want to I actually <laughs> talk about that for a second. Yeah, please. Right? Like, imagine a person doing that in real life, right? There's something really powerful about the anonymizing effect of the internet here that allows people to say, in effect— you should die. You should harm yourself in a way that you would— it's very difficult to imagine somebody saying to another person— in, Face-to-face. Yeah, face-to-face. So this is—it's the people, and it's also the freedom that the technology grants them. Members of the Malaysian government are actually considering whether they can hold every single one of the followers who voted for her to die accountable under law. It's illegal under Malaysian law to abet the suicide of a minor— and so they are actually considering whether that would be something they could do that would be feasible. So they're not messing around. Which then takes us to the second set of, of people we should consider here, which is like the, those who run the platform, right? Like what responsibility do they really have for incidents like this? I mean, Instagram has previously said that it was going to change its policies to deal with images of self-harm on the platform that was following the death a few years ago by suicide of a young woman in the U.K., um, but the problem is that a lot of these prevention and flagging efforts have been focused on on the West, on the U.S. And, and Europe, and not in places in South Asia, like Malaysia and other countries, where the user base is actually really huge. There are a lot of people, especially young people, on Instagram in these countries. But, you know, for whatever reason, whether it's, you know, unconscious bias, whether it's just that the U.S. and other Western countries have stronger, you know, oversight powers— um, for whatever reason, they're not really focusing their efforts on other countries like Malaysia, and we're seeing in the very clear consequences of that kind of disconnect. But the problem here isn't just the social media platform or the people who use it, right? It's also the government, right? right. The Malaysian government, which seems to be casting blame on everybody but itself for this situation. The truth is that there's 
very limited access to mental health care in a lot of countries, and Malaysia is one of those. And the government is not, it doesn't seem like taking serious steps to improve access to treatment and destigmatize treatment. In the aftermath of this death, Malaysia's youth and sports minister actually came out and said that this highlighted the need for national discussions about mental health in the country. Um, he basically said, I'm genuinely worried about the state of our youth mental health. It's a national issue which must be taken seriously. It's encouraging that the sports minister is saying that, though. I actually hadn't heard that before this taping, right? I just had seen the the stuff that you were talking about, about people have, feeling like they have limited access to health care and the government not, like, introducing a bill that right. would help make it more affordable. And that, that, again, it's a problem in a lot of countries. But when you have a high-profile incident like this, one that, that makes it clear just how difficult and important managing mental health care is, you'd think the government would want to leap into action here. And it, it doesn't seem to be doing that as much as it should be. And what's interesting, well, sorry, do what's fascinating to me here is like as important as what you just said is, Zach, like there's also from what we've been talking about, like this is a societal issue. This is a technological issue. This is like a government issue. And what this incident really shows is like to solve issues like this, requires just an insane effort from uh, across the board. And it's really hard at a time like these where everyone's just kind of, you know, attention's diverted. Yeah, you know, people are, are polarized all over the place. Like, it's, it's just hard to imagine that they can, that people can really kind of come together and solve an issue like this on such a broad scale. It, it Like, this story is both encouraging in the sense that we're having, like, the sports minister says something like that, and disheartening in that, one, these incidents keep happening, and and also that just, like, it just seems a really hard problem to solve. And before we leave you, if you or someone you know is struggling with suicide, you can call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline. It's 1-800-273-8255. That's in the U.S. There are also uh, equivalent lifelines in other countries around the world that you can just look up. Um, you can also go to suicidepreventionlifeline.org. I want to thank our producer, Bird Pinkerton. I want to encourage you to rate and subscribe and review to Worldly on all of your different platforms. Uh, I hope you're doing well or as well as you can be after listening to this episode. And we'll see you next week. What does it take to be an entrepreneur, and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast, and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business, and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the Future of Entrepreneurship, a Prop G Pod special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts.